0: Welcome to the show. Continuing with the topics of retirement, we've been talking about some pretty important topics such as Social Security, filing for Social Security, I mentioned that 90% of people that file for Social Security do not receive their maximum benefits, we've been talking about that, the importance of that, this is the first generation in history that will spend more years in retirement than they did working and Social Security being the largest source of income and the only source of lifetime income, filing for that is pretty much the most important financial decision that you're gonna make. If you miss those podcasts, you can uh, go to our website and catch those. We have them up there. Our web address is ssmistakes.com, ssmistakes.com. We also talked about college, and in particular reducing the expense of college, college being the largest expense for our children and probably outside of a home, the largest expense that most of us will ever make. A lot of resources out there, a lot of different things that you can do to reduce that college. This time of the year, I hear from a lot of parents that are out there shopping for colleges, trying to figure out what to do for the kids. I'm actually one of those. My son's a junior in high school. Uh, So looking at all those things, we did a series on college, and you can also find those podcasts on our website. It's actually a separate website. It's reducecollegecost.org, reducecollegecost.org. We were also talking about income. Last couple weeks, we've been talking about income uh, for retirement, and in particular, safe income. I mentioned that over the 30 years of practicing, probably the single biggest change to my practice has been what I would define as safe. What are the things that I would recommend to people to be safe, safe ways to provide income and retirement. It's been pretty difficult. We've we've learned an awful lot of things in the last decade about things that are safe. And there's been an awful lot of investments out there that we all thought were safe that have turned out to not be so safe. So we've been talking about that. We finished up that series. If you'd like to catch those, you can also catch them on the website, and we'll have those up for you on the Social Security site, the SSMistakes.com. SSmistakes.com. Now, today I want to continue with the theme of retirement, but in particular I want to focus on something pretty important to me, and that is uh, the issue of divorce. Uh, today I want to talk about financial decisions that need to be made after a divorce, and this is something that I teach on quite frequently with churches and various support groups something very important. Um, I'd like to bring that message to an awful lot of people. I mean, divorce is a pretty awful situation for marriages and for, for families and children, but financially there's an awful lot of mistakes that people make, and I just want to address that really over the next two weeks, and the title of this is Moving Forward Financially After a Divorce. Moving Forward Financially After a Divorce. Now. In teaching this, there's, there's several different things that I could teach on. One of those things would be um, planning decisions to be made while filing for a divorce, um, the negotiation, very smart things that you need to know uh, to work with your divorce attorneys and so forth. But what I've chosen to do is to focus on the time period after the divorce. So mo- most of these financial topics will deal with that time period. They'll deal with the time period after someone has actually already filed for a divorce. uh, It's been settled. It's been negotiated. Uh, And the main reason that I find that time time period to be the most helpful for people, Um, the biggest mistakes that I see people make are in that time period. And I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the lack of support. Most people going through a divorce have a lot of friends and family around. A lot of people supporting them they generally have a divorce attorney leading the way but after the divorce is finalized the divorce attorney's moved on but there's an awful lot of follow-through associated with that and so I want to talk about that I, I want to focus primarily on planning decisions after the divorce some of these ideas will be important uh, during a divorce but mainly it's after the divorce that I want to focus on Uh, That is the time period that I see people needing the most support, needing the most encouragement, but it's also the time period that I see people uh, have the the most letdown. I think the stress associated with uh, the divorce and the dissolution of the marriage and the various splitting of the assets, uh, after it's done, people are let down. Sometimes they don't fall through. So we want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, In particular, the first thing I really want to cover uh, it's the house, and there's an awful lot of decisions that people need to make coming out of divorce, such as, you know, do they want to continue in their house, do they need to downsize, finding something more affordable, um, usually the budget comes into play, um, sources of income from child support and alimony, a lot of times people go back to work uh, to support that. There's also school systems, kids you know, the neighborhood, friends, all these different issues. I'm not really going to discuss those things, but mainly what I want to focus on is where I see the biggest issue with the house. Not necessarily the decision about whether or not to keep the house or stay there, but the decisions associated or the the problems associated with the mortgage. Um, In those situations with somebody coming out of a divorce, uh, there's generally several things that have been negotiated. There might be a refinance, Um, typically the woman will take the house, Um, they will refinance that so that the ex is off of the mortgage, the debt that's currently on the home is a joint debt, so we want to remove the ex off of that and we will change the deed. And the deed will go from a husband and wife to just the wife. And that's very typical for most divorces. So And also, and together with the refinance, we might also see a situation that there's a sharing of equity. So one of the, um, the dissolution of the assets is that, that one person needs to pay off the other as far as the equity is concerned. That is generally done in a refinance. So whatever equity is in the house, uh, the one party will deed the house to the other one. They will refinance, take out some of the equity, and provide that to them at closing. So refinancing, um, whether it's paying off, uh, paying off the spouse or also paying off debt, Off a lot of times we are sharing debts or splitting debts, and that typically needs to happen in a refinance. There might be an equity line involved, something along those lines, or sometimes the house is put up on the market uh, to be sold and the proceeds to be shared, and then the person plans on moving on and finding another home. But in all those situations, it's going to involve a mortgage. And most of you are probably aware in 2008 that we had an awful lot of changes in the mortgage world. The mortgage world just about sunk the, uh, the worldwide economy. And there was an awful lot of tightening of those guidelines. So the biggest issue that I see in this type of situation is not so much about what to do with the house, whether or not you can afford it. School systems, kids, these different issues, I mean, those are important issues. But the biggest stress that I see is the assumption that you can obtain a mortgage. Most people coming out of this situation haven't really thought about that. They just kind of assumed that based on their current income sources, such as an alimony and child support, that they can get a mortgage. And you will find that that's not the case a lot of times. And the biggest problem that I see coming out of this is, most of the time through the divorce, people have decided upon a time frame, a time frame to sell the home, a time frame to refinance, a time frame to take off, uh, pay off debts, and they might have six months to take care of those things, but they're not going to qualify for a mortgage in six months, and this this will be pretty obvious when we go through these different guidelines because most of them have to do with time. And just because you need to refinance a house doesn't mean you're going, you're going to be able to. In fact, most people that I see coming out of divorce just flat out are not going to be able to qualify for a mortgage, and they're going to have to wait. And if they've agreed to those things in a divorce situation, uh, they're going to be in breach of that. If, if they've agreed to refinance the house or sell the home, or do something along those lines that requires a mortgage and they don't have it done in that time period, it's going to be a breach. And that's the biggest area that I see the problems in. And that's really where the stress happens because most people coming out of divorce just really have no idea. The divorce attorney, while helpful in a lot of different areas, they they certainly don't know about this one. So today and over the next week, I want to really just talk about mortgage approvals and and how the rules have changed since 2008, how they're different for those going into this type of situation, how they've been tweaked uh, for someone in this situation. Uh, Most people are aware that mortgages are much more difficult to obtain these days. And there's been an awful lot of changes in mortgages, but in particular they've tried to identify areas that created problems. Problems in 2008. Problems in foreclosure. Uh, where did those come from? And a big big, a, a largest place that they came from were in these refinance type situations uh, where there was a distress situation or we were paying off debt, where we were taking out equity to maybe pay off a spouse, pay off another person, or pay off other debts. And this was identified as one of those areas that uh, created some issues in the industry. So an awful lot of rules have been put in for that. Um, the bottom line for most people that I run into is that they have made agreements that they cannot, fi- they cannot fulfill. Uh, they've agreed to downsize, sell the home. They've agreed to refinance, take the X off the mortgage. Uh, they've agreed to refinance, pay off the equity, uh, their share of equity. Um, they maybe want to refinance payoffs of debt, and they're just not going to be able to do it. And my goal here is I don't want you to be an expert on mortgages, but I certainly want you to understand where some of these things, uh, where some of these issues are. And one of the things that you'll notice is that just about everything has to do with time. Uh, How long we have received this or received that uh, before we can qualify or before we can use that as a source of income. And that's the part that I need you to understand, because you just may find that you're going to have to wait, and there's really nothing you can do about it. And for those that have agreed to do these things in a time frame, you're going to need to go back to your divorce attorney and renegotiate the time frames for completion. So again, I don't want you to become an expert in mortgage approvals, but when we come back from the break, I want to uh, just go over the particulars and what things have changed since 2008.